just want to say thanks for the invitation, asking us to be with you again. Always a blessing to come to Beacon Baptist Church. And um, when I heard about the young people going to camp, I thought about the many years that I spoke at camp down in Jamaica, and um, a lot of decisions were made for the Lord, including young men who dedicated their lives to full-time service. I know many of them are pastoring churches. And it's very rewarding to know that you had a part in their lives. And so when these young people can get away from the normal way of life and kind of be isolated under and within the Word of God, God can really get a hold of their heart and speak to them. And so I pray, first of all, that the Lord will give you safety as you travel. I'll be praying for you and that this week will be a blessing. I hope you'll have a good time. But at the same time, you know, listen to God's word. Take it seriously. I know that you folks will. And, and my prayer is that the Lord will, will do a work that will last for all eternity. So thank the Lord for the opportunity that you have. And I, you know, it's, it's just wonderful to know that um, the Lord laid this message on my heart because this is a good message to leave, to go off to camp with. It's entitled Pondering Priorities. And I need you to turn to Matthew chapter 13 and mark your place there. And then we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 6. So it's kind of just a few pages apart, but at least you'll be prepared to, to turn from one passage to the next. Um, I, oh, there she is. It's good to have my sister here with us. And um, I'm glad that she came to hear her old decrepit brother tonight. <laughs> um, means a lot. So, I want to look at the topic of priorities tonight. Priorities. What comes to your mind when you think of the word priorities? That's what we're going to be talking about. Let us pray. Our Father, we give you thanks for another opportunity just to hear the word of God. And I pray that you would help us with our concentration tonight. As Brother Andy said, it's been a long week. But help us to be alert and apply what we hear to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Priorities. As you know, how many Heat fans do we have? Any Heat fans? All right. I knew you were a good man. So as you know, the, the Heat, the Miami Heat, they won the Eastern Conference Championship and went to the finals and lost to the Nuggets, right? But to get to the Eastern Conference Finals to play against the Celtics, they had to go through the Knicks. And I have a brother-in-law who is a diehard Knicks fan. And, um, man, he can give me the business, you know? And um, I don't know if you're going to see this, Campbell, but... Go Heat! <laughs> but anyway, the, the Heat beat the Knicks, and they were leading them by three games to two when they got to that Friday night. And it was a very important game, crucial game, because if the Knicks lost, they would have to pack their bags and go back home to 
a set of unhappy fans. Well, on that Knicks team is a shooting guard by the name of Josh Hart. And that night, his wife was in heavy, heavy labor and she was getting ready to deliver twins. And the delivery was going to be in New York. And Josh was in Miami to play this game. Josh was going to be a father for the very first time. And so he had a huge decision to make. Be with his wife or play this crucial game. So it boiled down to priorities. So what do you think he chose to do? Play the game. <laughs> All right, ladies, don't get upset now, okay? Uh, this is a tough one, and I didn't put this out to be critiqued. It was just that it's the most current, relevant example that I could find about priorities. But, you know, he had the FaceTime set up and all of that. And poor guy, that's a tough position to be in. But he prioritized and, and chose to play the game. Now, when we think of priorities, this is just the kind of scenario that might come to our minds. Just the kind of situation that we would say fits perfectly because the definition of priority is that which determines precedence with regard to time and occurrence. Now, give, let me give you another little thought to add to this. If you could get $86,400 placed in your bank account every morning, you think that that would be a blessing? It would be for me. <laughs> but this money would come with rules and stipulations. One is it's not going to carry over as a balance to the next day. Whatever you don't use is going to be forfeited. You can't take out a loan on it. You can only use it or lose it. So how would you spend that money, $86,400 every morning? Well, here's the thing. All of us have 86,400 seconds given to us every morning. We all get it. So it's not that we don't have enough time. It's how we use the time that we have. And we all have the same amount. And so it boils down to priorities. Priorities play a huge role in this. This morning I preached on Moses' psalm, Psalm 90, where he says, the days of our years are three score and seventy, and he drops down to verse 12, and he says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So when we recognize the fact that those 86,400 seconds are valuable, we ought to use them wisely, and it requires priorities. So in our text, which is taken from the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached, the greatest sermon ever preached, the Lord Jesus makes it very clear how God prioritizes his people meaning those who have trusted his son as personal savior. And he says in verse 26, 
Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? And the passage that we just read together as our text, we find clearly that God is saying to us, don't worry, I will take care of you. If I feed the birds and clothe the flowers, how much more valuable are you to me? So that should settle it for us. We should have no reason to be worried and to be anxious and to be shackled by fear because God has promised to take care of us. So now all we should do is just live and try to seek his will for our lives. The Lord Jesus then continues to exhort us to, as to how we should prioritize our lives. And as we analyze what he's saying in this passage, we find that it's kind of a little different than how we normally think about priorities. He says in verse 33, Seek ye first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I underline that in my Bible, because that's very important. And what I want to talk to you about tonight, I, I'm kind of categorizing it as food for thought. Because so many times I have read and heard that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven can be used interchangeably. That they both mean the same thing. But I, I, I kind of want to give you something to think about tonight. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 1 that the same day Jesus went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and he spake many things unto them in parables and he starts off by saying behold a sower went forth to sow. So this is Matthew Chapter 13. Very interesting chapter. And between verses 3 and 51, the Lord lays out seven parables. He starts off with the parable of the sower and the seed right here in verse 3. And according to Mark chapter 14, this parable is the key that unlocks all the other parables that Jesus taught. And then he goes on to speak about the parable of the wheat and the tears, and the parable of the mustard seed, and the parable of the leaven, and the parable of the treasure in the field, and the parable of the merchant and the pearls, and the parable of the net and the sea. Great studies. Each one could be a message in and of itself. Now what is a parable? The word parable literally means something cast alongside, like a comparison. It's a truth that illustrates a truth. Most of the time we hear that parables that Jesus taught were earthly stories with heavenly meanings. But he's using something that everybody can associate with, identify with, and then he uses that truth to teach a deep spiritual and, and heavenly story. A heavenly fact. 
And so with each of these seven parables, we find that Jesus prefaces it or them with the statement, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. He says it in verse 24, verse 31, verse 33, verse 44, verse 45, verse 47. The kingdom of heaven is like unto, and then he gives the parable. So each one of these parables preached by the Lord to the multitudes were then interpreted for the disciples so that they could get an insight into the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is like unto, and then he gives a parable. And he explains to his disciples, beginning with verse 9 of that same chapter, chapter 13. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came unto him and said, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I underline that in my Bible. But to them it's not given. So the kingdom of heaven is a destination. And the parables give us a glimpse into the different aspects of the journey to that destination. And here is a sobering fact. Some will arrive at this destination and some will not. That's a sad fact. He tells us back in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, verse 13... Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, that, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There's another part of the Gospels that say, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sad picture. That's why each one of us need to ensure that we have trusted Christ as Savior. Don't depend on rituals, baptism, and good works, and treating others kindly, and all of that. That's foolishness. Because it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to look back in your life and see a specific time when you realize that you are a sinner and you acknowledged your sinful condition before God. You heard the gospel that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. And you recognize that without trusting him, you have no chance of going to heaven. And then you bow your knee, ask God to forgive you, come into your heart. And save your soul, save your life. And he will. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall. That's a promise. Powerful words that the Lord gives in chapter 7, which is, as I say, a part of the Sermon on the Mount. 
And our arrival into the kingdom of heaven is totally dependent upon what we do with Jesus. 1 John 5 says, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. It's as clear and simple as that. And all of those are verses directly from God's word. So the kingdom of heaven is a destination. But the Lord Jesus' exhortation on priorities did not use that term. He didn't say, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's interesting, you know, the opposition to the Lord's exhortation is found in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6. The opposition to his, his exhortation. Chapter 6 verse 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eyes be evil, if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he boils it down to the crooks of the matter. He says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will love the, or hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the word mammon there means materialism. Not just money, but a materialistic way of thinking. You can't serve both. Rather than serving materialism, he is encouraging us to be genuinely and faithfully living for the Lord, serving the Lord while we're on this earth. So it boils down to this. If my emphasis and energy are geared towards chasing materialism, then whatever I get for all my effort will be earthly and temporary, and I can't take it with me. But if my emphasis and energy are geared towards the things of the Lord, then my rewards are eternal and permanent. Jesus says, the one that you direct your energies towards is the one that you will love. And it is impossible to have equal love for both. So he says you can't love God and love materialism. And then he gives the proper balance and informs us of his priority, which we read in the rest of the verses. He'll take care of us. He'll clothe us. He'll provide food for us. He'll make sure that we do not lack for what we need. My God shall supply all your need. And all means all, and that is all that all means. That's pretty deep. Write that down. You know, it's funny. He says in verse 27, which of you by taste? So, you know, these people, they're people who, you know, their whole energy is, is materialism to, to get, 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 get. And he says 
in verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto your stature? So, you know, I wish I was six foot four. You know, but I, 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 I wish I was tall like Mike, you know. You see him just strolling across the parking lot, you say, no, that's a good looking fellow. And he just strolls. And I come in, you know, with my little short feet. <laughs> I wish I was taller. But I don't care how much I squeeze up here. I can't get one more inch. No, I can get a few inches going this way. But not this way. That's what the Lord is saying. You cannot even squeeze out a half an inch. And yet you're just killing yourself trying to collect and collect and get. We've got to have priorities. He said, don't worry about it. I will give you what you need. And I'm going to give you the health to enjoy what I give you until I'm ready to take you home. I'll take care of your physical well-being and the essentials of your well-being. That's what he's saying here. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So the job that you have, God provided that for you. You know, the social security that we have, God provided that for us. And they better not touch it, I tell you what. <laughs> you know, those are blessings. Those are blessings. I know that America is going through a tough time right now. You know, we're living in some tough times. But when things get really rough and I look at the news and all the confusion and the rubbish that's going on and the division and I said, well, let me, let me look for a country that maybe we can, go, we can move to. And I started looking, and those other countries are worse than America, which means the whole world is messed up. So the Lord is saying, listen, don't get caught up in materialism, but rather seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And it's interesting because the word seek ye is instructional. So he's saying the obligation lies on us. The obligation lies on you, on me, to seek. We have to do the seeking in this priority that the Lord has laid out. Jesus says you do the seeking. You exert the energy and the effort towards the kingdom of God first. That's the word he uses. And the word first qualifies the Lord's exhortation to help us to know that he's referring to priorities. Because if there's a first, there must be a second. In order of priorities, seeking the kingdom of God should be first. So the question is, what is the kingdom of God? And the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 14, verse 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
That's what he's saying. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, which is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It can only be experienced as we are governed by the Holy Ghost, as we are led by the Holy Ghost, as we are controlled by the Holy Ghost, as we yield to the Holy Ghost. This morning I spoke about the contrast that Paul gives in Ephesians chapter 5 on not being drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. But we have to do the yielding. So, you know, I went through the whole scenario of what it's like to pull over a car that I see weaving on the road and driving erratically, and I get the guy out and I put him through a sobriety test. But I'm not going to go through that again. I did it already this morning. You should have been in church. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> But one of, the, one of the sobriety tests that I used to give was simple. Any elementary school child could pass it. Say the alphabet. And they'll start out real good. A, B, C. But by the time they get to L-M-N-O-P-Q. Because they're controlled by the alcohol. Paul says don't be controlled by the alcohol. Be controlled by the Spirit of God where he has full reign in your life. So Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Paul says the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Supplied by the Holy Ghost as we yield our lives to him. I think that that is a wonderful goal to have in life. To seek the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace and joy. Can you imagine if we got a hold of that? And that permeated our life. That defined our life. It, we would take away all the anxiety and the worry and the fretting that we go through because we have those three characteristics in us, which is the kingdom of God. And as I look at this, I realize that everything surrounding the kingdom of God is eternal and internal. But everything surrounding materialism is external and temporary. I have never seen a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse. And they say, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. I say, where there's a will, there are a bunch of greedy relatives finding out what was left for them. I shouldn't say that. My aunt just died yesterday. But that's what happens. We can't take it with us. We can't even dress ourselves to go into the casket. So we've got to look at life and prioritize and so you young people, as you leave to go to camp, you've got to determine, why am I going to camp? Is there a cute guy that's going to be there? Oh, good, I like that response. <laughs> no way. That's good. I would have been a little worried if she said, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Before you leave tomorrow, have a word of prayer. Lord, take us safely. And then while I'm there for this week, speak to my heart. Show me what you'd have me to do with my life so that it can bring honor and glory to you. God will honor that. God will honor that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I asked myself the question, why is, it the Lord, why is it that the Lord is being redundant if the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy? Why would he say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? 
I believe it's because he wanted to emphasize that it's not our righteousness, but God's righteousness. Because you see, folks, no one can experience the kingdom of God until they have God's righteousness declared upon them. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Though he knew no sin, that's what it means. God hath made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So when God looks at a Christian, he doesn't see all the, the sin, the filth, the dirt, the immorality, whatever is in there. He sees the righteousness of God because he's seeing us through Jesus. What a blessing. What a blessing. The Bible tells us that we're declared righteous, which is justification, which is a judicial term, where God lowers the the gavel, and he says, righteous, because he has trusted or she has trusted my son. And then we are on the way now after salvation to have the opportunity to experience the kingdom of God, which is living a righteous and holy life, enjoying peace, knowing joy. Now, joy is not happiness. Happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is based upon happenings. So as happenings change, the happiness chart changes. But joy is constant, and joy can only be found in Jesus. Paul outlines the practical steps to peace in Philippians chapter 4 through 6. He says, be careful for nothing or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he also uses the four chapters in the book of Philippians to help us to understand what can rob us of our joy. In chapter 1, it's circumstances. In chapter 2, it's people. In chapter 3, it's things. And in chapter 4, it's worry. Those four joy robbers are outlined in the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters. But thank God, he teaches us how we can defeat and overcome each of these robbers by helping us to understand the mind that we ought to have. It's a wonderful book. So here's the bottom line. The kingdom of God is not a destination, but it's rather a state of mind, a condition of the heart, and a way of life. And that is why we need to seek the kingdom of God first. And then he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things are talking about the essentials of life. They'll be added unto you in varying degrees. Because we have a lot of Christians that are very wealthy, but they're kind and faithful in their giving, and they use the blessings of God upon their lives to be a blessing to others. And then you have other Christians who live normal lives, no excesses. But in both cases, they're blessed and they praise the Lord. And there's no envy and no strife and no jealousy because they're experiencing and, and, and enjoying the kingdom of God. David says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsake nor his seed begging bread. 
So the kingdom of God is a state of mind, a condition of the heart, and a way of life. And when the believer discovers the kingdom of God, when the believer experiences the kingdom of God, then the idea of chasing materialism seems to be a waste of energy. Now, I really want to make sure that you hear this caveat, okay? Please. Does that mean that we're not to pursue a good education or seek a high-paying job or to aspire to be promoted or to enjoy the nice things of life or with your hobbies and relaxation? Absolutely not. There's a balance. And the Bible says that every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God created this world and the blessings of this world to enjoy it. Ambition is good. Balance is best. It's worthwhile. The Lord's exhortation is not seek ye only the kingdom of God, but seek ye first. That's why it's a priority. Achievement and success success in our life are commendable and pleasing to the Lord. But when we meditate on these words and this passage, we recognize what are the true values of life. Waking up in the morning is worth more than $10 million. I told the folks this morning, I saw a little illustration. This young man was sitting on a bench and he was forlorn. You know, he was depressed. And an older, wise gentleman sat beside him and said, what's wrong? He said, you know, life is just not worth living, you know. So he said, suppose I could give you $10 million. You think that would solve your problems? Oh, yeah. And then he says, well, just one stipulation. I can give you the $10 million, but you're not going to wake up tomorrow. And the boy realized what the man was teaching him. Being able to wake up tomorrow morning is worth more than $10 million. It helped him to, to see life in a different perspective, from a different perspective. Being able to watch a sunset with healthy eyes is better than driving a Bentley. There's a dear lady at a church that we help out. She has to use a big magnifying glass with light and hold the Bible right up to her eyes like this because she's losing her sight. And you and I can just go down the street, and we can watch a sunset or a sunrise. Who cares whether we get there in a Bentley or a Volkswagen? Being able to lead your children and grandchildren to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is better than a one-carat diamond engagement ring. So we we analyze this portion of the Lord's Sermon and we we get an honest understanding of the most important priorities. So the question I have for you is this. Toward what are your efforts and energies and emphases directed? You have to be honest with yourself. Toward what are your efforts and energies and emphases directed? Is the kingdom of God at the top of the list? And there is a list. Because again, the Lord didn't say, seek ye only. He said, first, seek ye first. So toward what are your efforts and energies and emphases directed? 
That's the question that will make this message relevant in my life and in your life. I think that's good food for thought to ponder this week. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. We get so caught up in life we're running hither and yon. We're so busy, you know, we, 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 we don't take time to stop and, and think about what God's Word teaches us and meditate on these truths. And it can kind of just help us to get realigned, you know. So I hope that this message will encourage and challenge. And young people, I pray that God will use this week to really mold your lives and direct you as to what your future should hold. Let's pray. Our Father, tonight we're thankful that we've just had a time as a, a family just to look into your word and consider some thoughts. I pray, Heavenly Father, that something that came from God's word tonight will stir us and we might make some changes Changes in our priority, change in our lifestyle, change in our thought life, change in our goals. Help us to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and then trust you to provide all the other essentials. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.